Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and we're here with a Slate spoiler special, which, for those of you who haven't heard this feature yet, should not be listened to by anyone who hasn't seen the movie, because we intend to get right in there and reveal the, uh, the secrets, the ending, whatever we feel like. So uh, today we're going to concentrate on Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest, and I'm here with Brian Curtis, the Slate senior editor. Hi, Dana. So, Brian, uh, many critics, including myself, have observed that this movie is shameless in its in its tag ending and in its cheap, crass attempt to get all viewers to chip in 10 more bucks to see the upcoming third Pirates movie to be released in 2007. Right. So we're free here, unlike in an actual movie review, to talk about why that is and what, at the end, seems to be such a cheap, crass, ka-ching kind of moment. <laughs> Do you want to say what that There's is? There's a couple of them. Well, well, let's start at the end, right? And, and the, in the sort of ka-ching moment right before the closing credits is the appearance of Jeffrey Rush, right, playing a pirate, right, who was last glimpsed in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, who's then going to allegedly lead the hardy band of sailors to the end of the world, where they'll allegedly find Captain Jack Sparrow, who, in another spoiler, we might add, was eaten in this movie by a sea monster. By a sea monster. And we're supposed to believe, are we not, that Jeffrey Rush is also dead, his character. Right. Died in the first movie. So basically the last second of the movie reveals to us that the character we thought was dead from chapter one is not dead. Right. And as far as you're concerned is also a basic giveaway that Jack Sparrow can't really be dead either. Right. Right. That Jack Sparrow cannot cannot conceivably under the rules of sequels not return in some form. Well this is this is like the classic Han Solo gets frozen in carbonite at the end of Empire Strikes Back, right? right? There's no way Harrison Ford is not coming back. Right. Or Spock's death at the end of Or Spock's death at the end of the second chapter of of the Star Trek trilogy, right? right? Or by now I guess God knows how many of those movies. A very important sequel rule is kill off a major character, but not all the way. Right. But the very appearance of Jeffrey Rush already tells us that death means nothing in the Pirates of the Caribbean (laughs) universe. That's true. That's very true. And and, and noting, as as we did a few minutes ago, the opening weekend gross of Pirates of the Caribbean 2, it doesn't seem to make any difference to anybody what happens in this movie. Whether or not it hangs together with any coherency at all. Exactly. But, okay, so to talk about Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp, he makes a slightly noble gesture by deciding to fight this sea monster, which allows all of his companions to get to safety. Right. Am I recalling He that sacrifices correct? himself, right. He's the he, sacrificial victim at the end of the movie. The last scene we see of him is going into the mouth of this kraken sea monster. Right. Which is straight out of everything from, you know, biblical Jonah. To Pinocchio. To Pinocchio. <laughs> to Pinocchio also biblical. Yes, the belly of the beast thing. Right out of Joseph Campbell's greatest hits of, you know, things, that, you know, nice little touches yeah, of absolutely. mythology to sort of lay on and make your pirate movie seem slightly bigger right. than it's it an actually archetype. is. So we can assume that, that Johnny Depp, a.k.a. Jack Sparrow, is going to spend the next year inside the gastric juices of the monster, steaming <laughs> a way to get out. Equipped with only his sword, by the way, and a compass to, to help him get out, correct? Absolutely. And then he will, by some means, and we also heard the kind of um, woman sort of uh, Caribbean-sounding, uh, I don't want to call her witch doctor, but she certainly had witch doctor. Oh, yeah, doctor, the voodoo lady, right. Voodoo, voodoo mistress saying that to find Jack Sparrow, you had to sail to the end of the world, or World's End, which is conveniently the title of the third movie. It's practically a trailer for the next movie, the last scene. Absolutely right. Which in any sequel, you know, sort of effectively has to be, right? I mean, you do want to have this sort of cliffhanger aspect to make you, at some point, I mean, to, to some level, to get you to go to the next. Right, but to include the title itself, it might as well, <laughs> there might as well be a crawl along the bottom of the screen saying, World's End, to be released. Right, a fla- maybe a flashing light or something, right. Then one last thing we wanted to, to discuss, in, in 
in terms of the question of a sequel and a part two. I know as a critic, I took some heat in the fray for having reviewed this movie without having yet seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean, perhaps justifiably so. But I would also argue that a sequel should stand alone and be a movie. It's certainly presented as a, a separate package that stands alone, that one pays one's $10 for and walks into with no sort of prerequisites. Why shouldn't it stand alone as a work of art? No, well? I, I think it probably should stand alone. I mean, the, the one thing you pointed out in your review, which I completely agreed with, was that the second movie, you not having seen the first one, the second one didn't make a lot of sense. But you having seen the first one also said the second one made yeah, sense. Yeah, no, that's what I wanted to add, is that I've <laughs> seen the first one now several years ago, but whenever it came out in the theater, the second one didn't make any sense either. So I'm not sure the first one was actually a standalone film, even though it was the first first part of the trilogy. Right. I mean, <laughs> I think the real answer is that this movie isn't necessarily a trilogy that's trying to unfold some sort of set of you know rules within its own universe. It's more like a set of... A, a bunch of set pieces that hang together more or less cohesively probably in all three movies. It's kind of an excuse for a lot of special effects and, and action scenes to be strung together like like pearls on a string. Exactly. Right? Very nice. And and I think also doesn't this, doesn't this, you know, some when we think about some action trilogies it feels very much like they were written at the very beginning with a sort of long plot arc which is going to unfold in three chapters. It seems this like Star Wars, very, for example, is that way. Star as boring as it, and ponderous <laughs> as it may be, it does seem to be unfolding some coherent mythology. With some master plan, right? More or less. With this one, it very much feels like the first movie was such a big surprise. Hey, it made a lot more money, I think, than Disney probably thought it would. That they hastily <laughs> began throwing together the trilogy idea. Right, right. We also learned that Orlando Bloom's character in this, Will Turner, am I getting that right? Will Turner right. has a pirate father. Who then appears as an oh, undead? That's one of the many easy to forget subplots of the many, many convoluted subplots who of this movie. Appears as an undead creature under right. the charge of Davy Jones, the sort of half beast, half man, sort of ghost like creature. So, so in, we can assume that there's some kind of Oedipal drama to be played out in the next chapter between Will Turner and his father. Right. And some sort of marital drama to pl- be played out between Will Turner and uh, Elizabeth Swan, aka right. Kira Knightley. Right. And some sort of gastric drama to be played out with Johnny Depp who's <laughs> stuck in the stomach of this horrible sea monster. So are you gonna are you gonna pony up the ten bucks next summer? Of and... course. And I know you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go to the free screening with you. Okay. Well thank you, Brian, for joining us for this spoiler special. And uh, I'm Dana Stevens. Thank you for joining us. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. (laughs) 